Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. Well, next on our schedule, Alex Davis is here to introduce to us Maverick Finance. Hey, everyone. Uh, it's glad to be back. Thank you to Draper Gore and Holm and the LA Blockchain Summit for having me out here. Um, it's pretty late where I am, 3 a.m. over in Israel. And um, I'm here to talk about essentially um, unlocking the world of, uh, from legacy financial systems. Um, a little bit of background. I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Tezos Israel. Uh, if you were here earlier before, I kind of went into it a little bit, but Tezos Israel is a uh, grantee ecosystem uh, organization from the Tezos Foundation. Tezos, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Tezos recently, especially around NFTs. Uh, back in 2017, they were the, at that time, they had broken the record for the largest um, fundraiser with $232 million. Today, the Tezos Foundation sits in Switzerland with a $1.2 billion war chest for building out the Tezos ecosystem, core development, grants, et cetera. So um, on that note, I, that <clears throat> um, Corona kicks in and then you, you kind of, uh, the post-Corona symptoms kick in and you kind of have a bit of brain fog. But um, I saw a bit of a, a gap in the market and decided to launch a DeFi protocol um, called Maverick Finance, which aims to essentially be a banking ecosystem built on the Tezos blockchain to bring access to financial services that essentially, um, you know, most people don't have access to. And so I'll be jumping into that. Um, and, and yeah, so, so why do we need a break free, essentially? You know, people ask this question all the time. It's like, you know, why do you need crypto? I can use you know, Zelle, I can use Venmo, I have access to my banks, et cetera. So if you're part of the, um, the, the lucky financial world that has access to banking, then, you know, perhaps you might not be that, that, that exact client. However, um, you run into problems with your bank and banks are actually um, part of this, have become part of this problem where access to funds and financing and you, even your own money becomes um, difficult to obtain. Uh, personally, I spoke at a conference in Dubai. Uh, the specific time was six months ago. I went to my bank, I asked them to withdraw capital, and they, they asked me, why do I need this money? Which, if you think about it, sounds incredibly um uh, the audacity really to ask me why I need my own, you know, why I need my own money. Um, and so to kind of get into it, about 1.7 billion adults in this world are unbanked. Um, they're one of the biggest things that is holding back um, the traditional legacy banking systems from onboarding these 1.7 billion people is the strict KYC and AML uh, restrictions and procedures that regulation has forced onto banks. So why why is this such a problem? You think like, okay, well, you know what? You should know who your client is. That's not so bad. I mean, if you're if you're giving uncollateralized loans, of course you should know who they are. But if you're giving collateralized loans, if it's money in the bank, debit cards, then then what really is the need? Uh, so then the argument goes towards, well, we want to make sure that people aren't laundering money. Um, to be frank. Uh, and I spoke about this in Gibraltar several weeks ago, the majority of people don't actually know how much KYC AML actually costs the banking ecosystem. 
and how much that will, you know, have to keep in mind if the, if it costs the banks money, they're passing it on to the clients and the clients are, are you or they're us. And so, um, KYC AML internationally across the, across the world costs banks roughly 50 billion dollars a year in compliance costs. And that those costs are, of course, like I said before, handed over to the, to clients. So then you start have to ask yourself, okay, well, if it costs $50 billion to make sure that money laundering doesn't occur, anti-terrorism financing doesn't occur, um, is it really something um, uh, that's effective? Are we spending all this money and getting something from it? And so uh, the, the answer, quite frankly, it's, it's widely reported, is, is no. Um, the success rate of KYC and AML in detecting money laundering is 0.01%, sorry, is 1%. The failure rate is 99%, meaning that essentially all money laundering that, that occurs that goes to the banking system, 99% goes through. And we're spending $50 billion a year in order to stop essentially only 1%. And so the, the burden that this places on on companies, the burden that this places on on consumers, on entire um, economic structures, is is outrageous. If you think about it, it's why you need to enter in your passport and your ID for Binance now. It's why um, sometimes they won't let you open a bank account. Personally, uh, over here in Israel, my partner and I opened a joint bank account, and it took 57 signatures, extra signatures because I'm an American. Um, and yet it's a failure of, a, of an organization. And that's why, that's where DeFi really kicks in, um, which I'll, I'll hop over into in a moment. If you want to talk about terrorism financing, I was in security and counterterrorism before FinTech and the finance world. Um, terrorism financing, while important, don't get me wrong, uh, does not necessarily require uh, these anti-money laundering procedures just to begin with. For example, Israel several months ago, uh, uh, I should say not foreclosed, but seized the, the centralized wallets on exchanges of about 50 wallets for Hamas of Bitcoin that was funded over to Hamas. And so, you know, these blockchain actually makes it more transparent in order to track these payments, who they're going from and, and tracking this money supply than the traditional banking sector. And in addition to that, uh, if you want to talk about K you want to talk about the anti-money laundering procedures of uh, KYC and AML, you know we, the Western world, primarily the United States, recently left tens of billions of dollars of weapons in the Taliban's hands in Afghanistan. So, are you really worried about my thousand-dollar transaction potentially going to a terrorist group when I'm buying an NFT versus leaving twenty thousand hand grenades and hundreds of you know, armored care, armored carriers and, and Jeeps, Humvees, combat aircraft and 20,000 rifles in the hands of a terrorist group? I don't think so. And so all you end up doing is restricting, is, is constricting and, and choking uh, consumers. And so because of that, even just in the United States, 6% of the U.S. is completely unbanked, uh, either because they don't have enough money or because they live physically too far from, from a banking location. 22% are either unbanked or underbanked, which they don't have the services of, of a bank or don't have all the services of a bank. 
So when you think about the United States population being roughly 350 million, 20 something or so uh, people is, you know, close to 50 to 70 million, depending on estimates of people who are underserved by the banking industry in the United States. Uh, that's a tremendous number. It, it, it's, it's really outrageous if you if you think about how people don't have access to you know, any sort of finance, and that leads them to go to payday loans, pawn, pawns, brokerages, et cetera, to loan sharks in order to, to receive financing. And this is where, this is really where, where, where DeFi, where DeFi kicks in. Um, and so the ability of DeFi to send transactions, specifically on Tezos, I won't get started on Ethereum here, um, with transaction fees of, of about a penny, uh, allows anybody to download a wallet for free and to transact virtually free uh, without any restrictions on whether they buy an NFT, whether they send funds, whether they yield farm, et cetera. It, it gives open access to anyone with a smartphone. And nowadays, basically something like 60 to 80% of, of mobile um, uh, of web traffic is going over a smartphone. And so you give, you essentially can open a bank account for anybody with the user acquisition costs that are tremendously low. And the most interesting thing about DeFi is that it actually turns, it actually takes the yield farming and, and, and staking elements of DeFi actually give the customer acquisition costs of banks and credit cards, et cetera, um, rather than paying marketers, they actually incentive they actually pay back that money as forms of equity token value to the users who use their platform so rather than um losing these income streams along the way as, as as a company goes through their burn rates they they give that value back over to the consumer over to consumers who have traditionally enough money to put into um into traditional investments or who don't even have enough money to open an investment account or don't have enough money to put a down payment on a house. And so DeFi is opening up this entire world, especially you know, tokenized securities uh, and tokenized real estate, where um, if you have an extra $100 a month, if you have an extra $1,000 a month, you don't have to sit and wait and and leave that money in a bank account and lose value on the inflation of 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 the dollar or whatever currency that you're, you're you're saving and given the the low rise in wages over the last 50 years but the tremendous rise in real estate um you're essentially it, it makes it impossible for the average the average retail investor person if you want to think about it that way to buy a home you know, if you're looking at needing a down payment and you know if it takes you 10 years of aggressive savings to buy a home um by the time that 10 years comes, the, rec the real estate prices rise and now you don't have enough money for the down payment for that home. But if you're able to put your thousand, let's say your extra couple hundred dollars a month, thousand dollars a month into a, a tokenized piece of real estate, a tokenized security, an asset that will not only have its principal rise, but also have returns on your investment on a monthly or yearly basis, then you can compound your savings accounts, which today are traditionally really low, around one and a half percent, and actually end up lifting yourself up by the bootstraps for, for those who uh, hate, hate or, or don't hate the, the, the term or the history behind it. Um, the laws today do not allow your average citizen to actually invest in themselves. They, they, they actually restrict them from moving up in this world. And so DeFi 
in this wide range of things, decentralized finance, it's not just Aave, Compound, Maker, Yearn. It's also the ability to buy art with NFTs, which has been a huge topic of discussion tonight. It's the ability for your retail investor to not have to be an accredited investor with a million dollars of net worth to be able to buy a thousand dollars of real estate at a time. It's the ability to transact uh, in seconds between value that you have. Uh, a personal story, there was a drop on Tezos with, with NFTs. I, I had some coins on a completely separate blockchain from Tezos. I swapped those assets into, um, into USDT, sent the USDT to Binance, swapped that USDT into XDZ, withdrew that XDZ to a non-custodial wallet and had enough um, XDZ in my, in, in my NFT account in order to, or NFT wallet, in order to buy that NFT. This entire process took less than five minutes. And if you think about this, this world where even a wire transfer, which costs roughly $40 and takes at least one day, that's if the user, the, the recipient's already verified, it could take up to a week to verify a, user, uh, a recipient, um, opens up a world of possibility from micro payments to micro loans to, you know, paying for a rental car by the minute, paying for, uh, access to data plans, paying for um, in-game apps, and it, you know, it turns the ability of a teenager who plays Call of Duty on the weekends or after school with his friends to earn money on on his e-gaming profile for him to level up a weapon and trade it and sell it. It will dramatically shift everything as we know it in terms of how we transact with value. And people look at blockchain and cryptocurrencies as, as, um, as currencies. There's a big push of it's going to replace fiat. In my opinion, personally, you're looking at, at industries where, um, uh, where essentially these are crypto assets. This is a form of buying an asset of how we interact with value over the internet. Uh, it allows us to transact value, and you're gonna you're gonna see this shift from analog value systems um, such as stock papers, which now have gone digital, but in a centralized manner, uh, deeds of land, the, the your pink slip for cars, all go onto a blockchain, all in, in as a backend layer. And so we're going to see this roaring 20s of how we interact with value, the same way that we saw Napster um, and digital music affect the music industry. We're going to see blockchain as a technology in a backend layer completely affect the way we and our children and grandchildren interact with value. So on that note, um, to, to mold into to Maverick Finance, the DeFi platform that I founded, um, we've built this to be essentially a digital DeFi banking ecosystem, where if you're familiar with MakerDAO, MakerDAO does algorithmic stablecoins and Aave does peer-to-peer -peer and Compound does peer-to-peer -peer and Curve does you know, um, stablecoin exchanges. and Maker, for example, has had problems with voter turnouts. Um, Ave hasn't, you know, uh, Ave and Compound are very, you know, in their peer-to-peer -peer lending systems. Um, Curve is still just a stablecoin exchange, like you would find in a mall in a touristic neighborhood. Um, and so we we looked at what we wanted to build with with Maverick, and we wanted it to be an all-encompassing place because, you know, something that's dramatically missing from this decentralized finance ecosystem is is the ability 
to use one platform with an easy to use UI UX and, and, um, and have access to different features that, that you would need to gain access to, whether it's loans, whether it's lending, whether it's pushing out your assets at, as giving your assets to earn yield on them. And so that is Maverick Finance essentially in a nutshell. Um, you can check out Maverick Finance at maverick.finance, or you can see our handle at maverick underscore finance on Twitter and follow us. Um, thank you very much to the LA Blockchain Summit. I'm being motioned that I'm out of time. And so, and thank you very much to Draper Gorn Holm um, here for the if you have any questions and have a great night.